welcome, welcome, welcome back to a random MLB podcast brought to you by at random MLB stars. My name is Tommy. His name is Greg. Gregory, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I'm ready to talk more about baseball because now we have a lot of time on our hands because the big bad lockout started. Yeah, no, it, it feels like it went from like nonstop action to like now absolutely nothing. And there's just like we ke- every tweet is just the same recycled tweet about baseball over and over again because there's no new news. I feel like Buck Showalter possibly being the Mets manager has taken over like all baseball media for the past two days. That's about it. Like we're, we're grasping for straws yeah. right now. Did you did you see uh, part of the lockout? means that MLB can't use like player yeah. likenesses in any form. So have you gone on their website? Yeah, no, they at can't. All? The- if you go on if you go on MLB.com, it's just like a weird empty page with a couple articles and like no picture of any player anywhere it's on the website. So it's so strange. It's uh, I think it was Luis Car and and it's like a, it's a hate mail from Rob Manfred too. He's sitting there like the those scoundrel players and the players union are violently going against the traditions of our game and like like we tried to give them a fair offer, but the the, the letter just comes off as so childish. It's right on their front page. It's so I stupid. think if you, uh, I think it's Luis Garcia. If there's any Luis Garcia fanatics out there, I think there's so many Luis Garcias in baseball that if you search him on MLB.com, like seven different right-handed pitchers named Luis Garcia come up, and none of them have photos or teams. <laughs> so you're like, you cannot. If you're looking for his statistics, if you're waking up tomorrow morning and looking for Luis Garcia's statistics, you will not find them. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, the lockout stinks, not fun. Um, I'm bored and I would like baseball back. Even MLB network. That's actually kind of depressing. Like I used to watch a uh, hot stove in the morning sometimes. And, uh, I guess they just called it quits now because like, there's nothing to talk about and they can't show highlights and they can't like show photos of players. They can't so, do anything. It's just like yeah. stupid. So they just like stopped doing it, which I kind of like that show. And now they just play old world series games nonstop, which I don't hate. But like the other day I watched, uh, I think two days ago, I watched the entire 2001 world series just because it was all <laughs> that was on MLB network. So I think I spent the whole day just having it on the background while I like clean my apartment and stuff. And I mean, to that end, that's I would, fun. Well, it was fun. And to that end, it's 20 years later. And I'm still wondering why did Bob Brenly stick with young hung Kim in the 10th inning of game four of the 2001 world series. Uh, his I'm mistake, confused. his mistake was, it doesn't matter if what game of the world series or what game it was. His mistake was sticking with young young Kim. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I know everybody's coming here for young hung Kim content, but just to refresh you, it was game four. That was the Mr. November Jeter walk-off home run. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a special moment in history that didn't ultimately matter, but continue. Yeah, it didn't ultimately <laughs> matter, but Bob Brenly, Young Hun Kim had thrown like 30 pitches at that point, and uh, he threw like 30 pitches. He had given up the game-tying two-run homer to Tino Martinez in the bottom of the ninth, and Bob Brenly sent him out there for the 10th inning. And then he blew yeah, This is my guy. Like, like, <laughs> I was sitting there 20 years later and I knew what was going to happen. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, I still listen to There's no way. No, you know that, what? Like, he doesn't, doesn't matter. He knows better than all of us. You know why? Because Byung Young Kim has a ring. Uh, he does. <laughs> he does. Byung Young Kim has a ring on his finger. Bob Brenly doesn't have. You know what? This is actually a super funny. I didn't know it's a Bob Brenly pod, but it is. Um, so Bob <laughs> Brenly, I guess, lost his job. I don't know when the Diamondbacks fired Bob Brenly or when he quit. I, I don't even remember. Um, but I uh, sometimes when I get bored, I watch old baseball games on YouTube. Like I'll just call up like old Met games, and that's why if you follow at Random MLB Stars on Instagram, the greatest Instagram account on Instagram. I said Instagram like four times in the last. 20 seconds um but sometimes i'll go watch old games while i'm like falling asleep or if i'm doing something on my laptop just because like it's fun and uh i like to watch the pre-games when that's happening and bob brenly was like a like a pre-game guy on fox baseball like fox sunday baseball in like 2005 or six 
and it was right around when Rafael Palmero was uh, testifying in front of in front of Congress for steroids, and uh, <laughs> Bob Brindley, I guess, had coached Rafael Palmero in the '90s, and it was just such a great example of things aging poorly because they were like, "Hey, Bob, you coach Rafael. Like, what did you think?" And Bob Brindley's like, "Well, I never saw steroids in baseball at all in the '90s, not once in my life." <laughs> like, he's just denying what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, like literally, he was just denying it. Like, I've never seen it once. Not. Not, never once uh, No I know Rafi And then he like started And then like As the conversation goes I don't know You can kind of see It's so funny to watch back Like it, it was hilarious Because you could see The wheels turning in his head Of like This could age terribly Because I know Half <laughs> my, my clubhouse Was on steroids And he's like you know, they all went to the same gym and there was this one guy they hung around with. This is just coming up in real time. So I'm hoping it wasn't that guy. And I'm like, Bob Bradley just outed some gym owner in Texas. So I don't even know <laughs> what just happened here. He's just outing people and also claiming that steroids didn't happen. And I'm like, this is... And then it was just the wildest thing I've ever witnessed and it was honestly refreshing to watch like how baseball was so anti no steroids don't exist steroids don't exist and then steroids ruined baseball we all knew it and it ruined baseball so you know it's just ridiculous hypocrisy I, like, you can't have it, but they had it they're getting it both ways because they're baseball but they shouldn't have had it both ways it's either you support it well not support it but like you either let it go on like they did and make all their money and they'll have all their exciting games and blah, 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 or you full force from the get-go go against it. They didn't do either of those things. They let, they let it ride till it wasn't profitable anymore, and then they switched and they said, oh, we're going to litigate this now and make it a big spectacle to show how wrong we were. Yeah, sure. Like, no, it, 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 they just damaged, they damaged the brand of baseball completely now. Like, it's, it's stupid. Like, the Mitchell report came out thinking it was going to be this great thing, and all it did was ruin baseball because Bud Selig had to sit there and pretend he didn't know what was going on. Exactly. We went on a, a witch hunt for players. And then what's ultimately happened is most of the league was on, however many percentage you want to put on how much of the league was on steroids, we're now putting it on Barry Bonds, A-Rod, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, the same, you're, you're putting a few guys as martyrs for the entire league. We're like, no, 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 these were the bad apples. Not the entire league was doing this. And it's just become, and it's like one of these things, it's like uh, when you're growing up, everybody has that friend who just makes up stories. Like, oh, yeah, this weekend I, like, drove to California and back and like oh I met like they met a celebrity every weekend and like they're best friends but no oh, the girlfriend goes to another school or like something like that everybody has that friend yeah, that's yeah, making yeah. up and that's what we've become like as a sport of like oh like we never knew steroids was happening and everybody literally baseball fans non-baseball fans we all sit there we know they're lying to our face they know they're lying to our face everybody knows that they're lying but they're just going to pretend and it's just gone on so long that you're just going to let them talk like the kid who had the who had the girlfriend that went to another high school you're just like yeah let him talk whatever it's not hard like whatever you're never going to get him to tell the truth so let them say that they didn't know what was happening when in reality they knew the entire time and now we're just pretending we're putting scapegoats on it and we're pretending this was we're martyring those people and now we can't vote them into the hall of fame because and they'll never you know meanwhile for if you ask any single person uh of who grew up in that time period anything about baseball or anything about what it meant to them you're gonna hear every single person say i grew up watching bond sosa and mcguire the most exciting times of my life right like yes steroids are a problem and they have very real consequences but it's the act of you let it go on and now for some reason you're deciding you want to come out so strong against it and make yourselves look so nice and so good when you profited off of it for years and years and years just call a spade a spade don't pretend like you didn't like why why are we playing this game like it's stupid you're now gonna take those people who you should really be blaming yourselves if you really want to correct the problem and then you're martyring those guys we mentioned and now they're not going to get Hall of Fame votes, even though they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, because they are part of the history of the game. And they're part of the reason so many young people today are either like baseball or are clinging on to the fact that they <laughs> like baseball. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? 
Like that because it was a big for me. It was a huge part of growing steroid, up was baseball because of people like that. The steroid era like, saved like, baseball. It's what it it did. It started. Yeah. And I, I I always feel like I sound dramatic when I say this, but I, I sincerely mean it. Every year when they don't let Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, he's always the one I use because I think it's just the most atrocious. Roger Clemens too. When they don't let Barry Bonds in, when they don't let Roger Clemens in, they're looking at fans like you, like me, like anyone in our age range, and they're saying, "Hey, you know all this nostalgia that." you built up that like the reason you love this sport we don't care like no it's not no we don't care no we're gonna pretend because we messed up and because we don't want to acknowledge an issue that we had yeah no we're just gonna pretend it didn't happen we're gonna pretend like this was like this terrible era not the era that made you fall in love with the sport and and let's call it what it is Steroids are bad for like a, a individual human. Like it's not a great I'm not recommending somebody yeah. take steroids. I'm not saying that kids should be out there saying, "Oh, we should take steroids. That's how you become a great athlete." But let's not pretend like make it like these guys were criminals and these were awful people doing awful things. Sure. All right. They they juiced up. It is what it is. The results are what they are. Who really cares at this point? You stop the problem, move on. The pro- you have now you're testing. Now you have solved the problem, so to speak. Why are we sitting here and still just Beating, punching down on the steroid era and that entire generation of baseball for no good reason and pretending like there's no reason we should we should be ashamed of it when there's plenty of fans like you or me or anybody or Josh who also is not on today's podcast uh, and <laughs> you're telling them no nah, we don't really care that that's what you fell in love with we we, we just whatever we're ashamed of it now uh, it's. It's always been baffling to me. It's very annoying. I, like you said, you know they're just going to keep lying about it and try to make themselves look good, so you just ignore it. But it's just it's, it's, it's irritable. It makes me irritable that I have to do that. Like, I have to ignore it. Because the reality is never going to change, and this Hall of Fame ballot's going to come out, and Clemens and Bonds and Sosa and McGuire and all these people are, are not going to get in. And it doesn't matter. It's the most annoying thing ever. It's it, the most annoying feeling to have. It, it, what annoys me more is that the not even like I think it's so clear that the voting system's broken. But you have these writers. I just saw a tweet the other day of this writer who he wrote this whole big tweet. I sl- I submitted my ballot today and I decided to submit it with zero fan, oh zero players on it. Like he submitted an empty ballot. He could have just not submitted a ballot at all, but instead he decided I'm going to submit no. I'm going to submit a ballot with no votes on it, so I'm going to actively hurt the chances of players that maybe somebody else feels are are uh, worthy of getting in the hall. What of fame. was his reasoning for this? Oh, he just said he didn't feel like giving Kurt Schilling uh, his off the field stuff, and then the steroid era, and I, I forget his other reason. He just didn't feel like anybody was deserving, and I'm like. So you could have... Are you kidding well, me? He could have... Also... <laughs> Not even... Oh, okay, hold on a minute. Like, come on. Prince... If you're going to pick anybody at all and you don't want to touch anyone with steroids, you still don't think somebody like... Scott Rowland? Like... Rowland? Manny Ramirez? I don't Manny's know. Manny's a like, steroid Gary guy. Gary Sheffield gets talked about? I don't know. They're steroid guys. Morneau? Like... I, it's just like... like Jeff Kent? Jeff Kent. That's <laughs> like, another guy. Andrew Jones? Tory Hunter? Like, I don't... Anyone. No, it's like... And that's why... And submitting the empty ballot is just like... They, all of these people who do that, they just want their minute of fame. They just want to get people angry. They want clicks. They want retweets. They want likes. They want responses. And that's all. It's it's all about them. And they don't care. And it's stupidity. Why we have all these old writers who sit there and vote and get on their get in their god complex every year and then just sit, decide who we should be, who's worthy of getting into a museum and who's not. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. And it it, it waters down the it's history like the of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's the same. It's like, it's ridiculous. Bands, there are bands that should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that it should have been there from the day they were like, like the day they were successful, and they've been ignored, ignored, ignored for these. They're just letting anybody in now. They're letting random like rappers in. They're letting like all sorts of people in, and there's like huge, huge, huge bands that still have not gotten the nod because it's all about donors and money and people voting. These old men that think they know everything voting about who they feel like they put in the presentation that year. It's never about anyone. It's never about the fans. It's, it's never about the bands themselves. It's about the stupid rock hall of fame. It's the same thing with baseball. It's like, like, Oh, we're only going to, we have this very specific set of criteria for specific people and a specific set of criteria for these other players. And like, we're going to hold different players to different standards it's like, sh- like, what is this? Let the people vote who on who they think should be in the Hall of Fame, based on 
the history that these players brought to the game in the people's eyes because it only matters what the fans think. To be honest with you, there's pl- let the let the owners and the and the people running baseball decide what's best for the sport as it's being played. But let the people decide what who they think should be enshrined forever and be remembered. That's or what let I players do it. Let, I, I'm fine with players voting. Even it. that, fi- that's fair I, enough. I'm fine with the like, players. So I'm fine with writers having a vote and maybe being 50-50 between writers and players because they're the people who should like. To me, it just it, it just makes no sense how you have a Hall of Fame without the all-time leader in home runs in there. Barry Bonds, the all-time leader in Cy Young. Well, uh, well, yeah, Clemens has the most Cy Youngs in history. He's got seven. Yeah, the all-time mm-hmm. leader in Cy Youngs there isn't in the Hall of Fame. It, A-Rod, for all of the, I don't even like A-Rod. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Everyone hates A-Rod. But my, like, my, you know. You know <laughs> there's guys in the Hall of Fame that took step. Mike Piazza is my favorite player of all time. I grew up a Mets fan. He's my favorite player of all time. Beyond Barry Bonds and Ichiro and all that, and Nomar, it's Barry Bonds. It's Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza, in his book, openly admitted to taking the same supplement that they found in Mark McGuire's locker when the steroid problems first started. That's the same thing. Mark McGuire fell off the ballot. Mike Piazza's in the Hall of Fame. Feels hypocritical. Feels hypocritical to me. I don't know. I, 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 it just doesn't make any sense. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Barry Bonds, this is, I think this is his now his last year to get into the Hall of Fame. If he doesn't get in, I will yeah. not go to the Hall of Fame until Barry Bonds gets in the Hall of Fame. And if Barry Bonds gets in this year, I'll be there. Because that will be, to me, baseball finally set acknowledging the, the sport I fell in love with. It, it, it's absurd to me that we're even still having this argument. It's a slap in the face to a lot of fans that these people are not in it because like they marketed them for years as the faces of baseball. They reaped the benefits. They're on the covers of video games and marketing and they sold tickets and they made baseball relevant, a sport that if you ask 90% of people today, if they feel like is exciting or fun to watch, don't give a, don't give a, uh, anything. They don't give a, you know what about when the, like the Yankees or the Phillies are on tonight or whether, you know, who cares if the Braves won the World Series? Who cares? Nobody cares. But back then, man, like, it was must-see TV. I would I would spend any energy I had getting home on, like, 4.30 on a Saturday night to watch Yankees-Red Sox on Fox. Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. Like, I would do it. Like, those Sunday night baseball games, even. They would do, like... Uh, like Cardinals and Brewers back in like 08 when like CC was that the year CC came over there and like I think so. like one of them whatever year that was or maybe it was a little later I don't remember but those years were like there was just must see baseball all the time and I would you know 2006 was a big year yeah. for that too like just great games on all summer long like they don't have that anymore and baseball is the reason they like the distaste for this whole steroid thing. And then that whole, remember that whole thing with A-Rod? Like, for years that went on. Like, first they were saying, he said he didn't take steroids. Then, it, like, with Katie Couric. And then he lied about it. I was foolish. I was naive. <laughs> like, and he had that whole thing. And then, like, and, they, and then they put him on suspension for a whole year. I was at a, I'll never forget this. I was at the Joe's Crab Shack at the mall. And I was watching on TV uh, on the fan, like it was Mike Francesa on his simulcast on the S Network, talking about how A Rod lied to him in an interview about uh, not taking steroids and how he's trying to be contrite and apologize for it, and how MLB was going to suspend him for 160, 163 games or something like that, like an extra game for the next year or something like stupid. And it was just going on all summer. Nobody cared about baseball anymore. There were adults all just being driven to be mad at A-Rod and then think baseball was just this weird, long sport that never ended that you could only have fun if you went to and got drunk at. Like, it's stupid. It's so stupid. I, uh... I just don't get it. I, if you're Rob Manfred, if you're anybody in like the higher ups of baseball and you know this game is getting harder to market in... And, like, I was just talking about this the other day. Someone DM'd the account, and I was talking about this with them, that it, it just feels like, as a sport... Baseball stopped trying to appeal to people like us or the younger generation or, or anything like that. And it feels like they're just afraid of losing the older fan that is just sudden, like hell-bent on keeping this weird like historical context that you really can't apply. But they're just so hell-bent on keeping it that baseball is so afraid of losing it 
that the, the, they'll do anything. And maybe it's because that's who owns baseball teams, and that's really who tells Rob Manfred what to say. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, no, it has to be. There's no question in my mind that that's why. Like, like there's, there's so much money tied up in these owners. That, like, people, you know, all these old money families that own these baseball teams, the billions and billions of dollars, like, they're not changing anything. Like, th- they're going to keep things in their tight little uh, window of how they think baseball should be, just like it used to be. Oh, the old days. Like, yeah, you can make it more exciting like the old days if you kept baseball culturally relevant like it used to be. Baseball used to be, like, a definition of, like, American culture. Like, it was a social thing for every, like, certain decades, baseball defined them. The 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Right, sixties had some amazing baseball and amazing stories. Even the seventies was was popping off. There was so much classic stuff going on. Do you remember anything about the eighties and nineties, Tom? Not eighties and early nineties. Yeah, I mean the Mets. I uh, I mean the early. uh, Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, Griffey came up in the mid nineties. But I mean, but I mean, compare. I'm saying compare the eighties and the early nineties to everything from the sixties, seventies. That stuff was. Not even close to what it was in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was better in the 60s, 70s, like 50s, like all the different... Baseball was a culturally defined, like, like thing, a social event, a thing that people got so excited for, and there were such legendary players in all those time periods. And yeah, there was plenty of great players in the 80s and 90s, but when baseball really started going bananas again was when... It seized the moment, marketed its huge stars during the steroid era, and picked up a lot of steam in the late 90s and early 2000s, and it just went off. It just took it and ran, and then baseball got woven right back into society again. It was a, a it was just a massive ordeal. It was everywhere. It was what every kid wanted to do in the backyard. Like That doesn't happen anymore. That is not the feeling you get. No, and I would... Uh, I would argue that 94, mm-hmm. you had this player strike, and that really effectively killed baseball to make, mm-hmm. of being like the nation's pastime. And then what, to your point, I do think you're right. The start, McGuire, the, the home run race between McGuire and Sosa, and then Barry Bonds again, the steroid era brought baseball back. And, and to your point, baseball was fun again. People were excited to watch it. Things were happening. It felt like history was being made every night, and people loved it. And then we're supposed to... That's I think you're I think what you're hitting on is exactly what annoys me the most is that we sit here in this weird retrospective and we're supposed to pretend like we all hated it and we're all disgusted by it. No, it was the like my favorite era of baseball history. Again, I've said this like four times on the podcast. It's the reason I'm sitting here talking about baseball with you today. It's the reason why we run this account. It's it's. It's the reason I sit there every day and I post players of uh, I post a new player every day and I'm posting highlights and I'm sitting there watching old games. It's the reason I'm doing anything relating to this podcast, random MLB stars, any of it. It's because that was what we loved and uh, just sit there now that we have to pretend that that wasn't the case and we should all be ashamed of liking it or what they did and it's stupidity and it's it, it, it's it makes me just de- it's depressing to to watch because it's ridiculous. Let's 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 un let's undepress our listeners though. We need to get off of this. Let's talk about all those more more free agents we forgot about from so, last podcast because I'm sick and tired thinking about Bud Selig and Rob Manfred and 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 all the percentage points that Bob Barry Bonds isn't going to get. Whenever if Barry Bonds does. doesn't make the Hall going. of Fame, you should go fall at Random MLB Stars. I will be live for the. <laughs> I will be live for the like the following twenty four hours. It would just be me screaming at the phone about how upset I am about it because that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> if if he does make the Hall of Fame, you should also follow at Random MLB Stars to see the fallout for the twenty four hours after that. Well, Tommy will also be screaming. I'll be crying tears of joy. I might go to Cooperstown <laughs> that day. I might go. I'll be like, hey. I'm Camping out for the, cel- the the ceremony in a year. It it can't be that far of a drive. No, it's like it two hours. Like, I'd say three hours. Oh, two hours. Three hours. Really? No, it's probably I'm, longer. I'm, I'm, I'm it, New York's far. I, I'm put I'm putting it in the GPS. Let's see. Yeah, I'm saying New York's far. 
Yeah, it's not that bad. I'm if Barry Bonds is going to the Hall of Fame, I'm there. It's just like it feels like a, Barry Bonds going to the Hall of Fame is bigger than just a guy getting into a, hall, a museum. It, it, it's a win for an entire generation of fans. I feel like <laughs> I really do. I feel like it's a moral victory if Barry Bonds makes the Hall of Fame. I, somewhere out there, Barry Bonds is sitting there, no idea who I am, and he doesn't realize how much of like I'm ha- how much is hanging on him making the Hall of Fame for me. Do you still have that? Do you still have that bumper sticker? On your yeah, car? it's on my car. I have. It's my favorite thing I've ever purchased. Is a bumper sticker on my car. Since it's a, it's a, it's someone. I think it's. I want to give the guy credit. I think his name is Bird Art. Uh, he's out of San Francisco. Uh, it's the Hall of Fame emblem with Barry Bonds' face on it, and then underneath it says Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. And I'm like, and, <laughs> and when I put it on my car, my girlfriend was like, "Why? What is that? Like, why do you want that?" She's not into sports at all, and I'm like, I want everywhere I go, people to know how strongly i feel about this like i would wear a shirt tattoo it to my face if you have to because that's how strongly i feel about this and how and how much it makes me angry i just don't even i can't even comprehend but yeah you're right we should get into free agency we can't only i didn't think I, it's funny before we did this podcast uh i if uh surprise surprise this isn't all organic and i remember right before i was like hey maybe if we want at the end we could talk about the hall of fame and i didn't realize we would start <laughs> the first 25 what, minutes what i of think the we should do just talking about I think the hall we should of fame is go back into some of those free agents that we were going to talk about touch on some of them again and then at the end i think we should try and, and pick our own people that we think should be in the hall of fame based on the ballot because god i'm looking at this list and I, man, there's so many good names on there. <laughs> and then you say something like the guy that was putting blank ballots in. And I'm like, you know, come on. There's so many people I would vote Somebody for. listening to this right now is like, thank God we're finally moving off the Hall of Fame talk. And I'm going to be like, this reminds me a lot of when Barry Bonds signed with the Giants. Speaking of which, <laughs> how is he not in the Hall of Fame yet? <laughs> Barry Bonds was a great player before he took the steroids. And he should have been what? That's true, but... <laughs> Hall of Famer before he took steroids. All right, we can't do this anymore. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before and after he took steroids and made the, some of the greatest moments of baseball history of the past 20 to 30 years. But I digress. I digress. Just Barry Bonds' baseball reference is like a museum yes. in itself. He doesn't need the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he should be in it. Anyway, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez <laughs> signed with the Tigers. Uh, that was an that was an early that was an early signing. Um, five years, seventy-seven million. You probably watch him a little bit more than you would like because he was with the Sox for so long. Uh, I think that might have been the first big free agent signing we got. And I remember when I saw the number. All I thought to myself was like a lot of money. Exactly, a lot. Of, and I talked to somebody I knew who was a Red Sox fan right after it. I'm like. I like him, and I thought that was a lot of money. Like, five years, $77 million for a guy who just feels... It just feels like ever since he came back from injury, he's just so inconsistent. And that is a... And I like... It's like $15 million a year. That's like a lot. I don't, I don't know. He's not that you good. You have to take swings. Like, he's not $15 million a year. I, I like taking swings if you're in a position like the Tigers are. And we've talked about on the podcast how much we both like the what the Tigers are building. But uh, and I like mm. the Javi Baez signing, which we'll get into in a minute. But uh, I just feel like five years, seventy-seven million is a lot for Eduardo Rodriguez. But also, take take a different swing, like <laughs> take a swing well, at an ace, did, uh, like swing it like Gossman or something. Stroman end up getting <laughs> twenty-one million a year, I think. I think Stroman ended up getting around twenty twenty-one million a year. That uh, yeah, I think twenty-one I, million. I, I I get Erod's a lot younger than Stroman, but I don't know. I, you know what, though? Like, all of Erod's advanced statistics, now the more I'm thinking about it, they do really trend in the right direction, and it does feel like he was getting unlucky because he was so inconsistent, and they, that makes more sense of why he was so inconsistent. Was, right, right, but, like, you can look into the stats and stuff, but the big thing for me is if I'm going to give a guy that much money, he better have shown something already. Because, like, I think before the injury, he it, did. Like, if it's so inconsistent, you can't give him money off of that. you got to let him come out and prove it. Like, I mean, yes, you can take risks. You're not you're you're allowed to take risks in this business, but but I don't know. It's a lot of money for for that. It could go either way, and you can say that about any signing. But like, there were some surer bets out there. You didn't have to go right for you're like Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm sold. I'm gonna give him five years, seventy seven million. Like, whoa! I guess it's like slow a, down. You're paying for the 2018, 2019 version of him, or 2019 especially when we went 19 and six, three eight one ERA, and he was what 26 yeah. years old. But he's 
going into what he's gonna be 29 now i like i get it i i get the risk you're taking there uh and i i get what you're hoping is gonna come out of it but i mean i just feel like for that much money and that's why for that much money he's only what maybe a year is he a year younger than yeah he's a year younger than marcus stroman i I think I'd prefer Marcus Stroman. Oh, I think I'd prefer an extra four million a year and get Marcus Stroman for that money. Maybe they didn't think they could get Stroman. Yeah, if you're gonna, for that like, cheap if you're that gonna point. spend, if you're gonna spend that money, like, why not? What are you? Why are you jumping in on it? I just think Eduardo Rodriguez would have been there at the end of like after the lockout. I think you probably could have gotten him from. I would think exactly. Less, unless yeah. I mean, you and I don't know. Maybe the market was really building for Erod. I, I just I just find it hard to believe. Like he just feels his advanced metrics do really trend well, and I, I get the comparison against Strowman. His velocity dips a little bit and stuff like that, but. I don't know. My gut tells me over the next three years, Marcus Stroman's going to be a much more effective pitcher, even though he's playing in Wrigley now, which I'm not going to go on another rant yeah, about. It doesn't Cubbies. make sense. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's just a strange amount of money to spend on him specifically. Like, good for Eduardo, but uh, I don't know. Don't know, Tigers, but you, you know what? I like you, and I like I, I like Paul, the next Paul O'Neill, Akil Mazzini on your team. So I, let's go. It's, a, I, it's still a hell of a take, but I, I like what they're building there. I do. I, it's, I, it's absolutely I, a true take if you you know look at Akil Mazzini. I, mean, I like the on, young guys. They have, their pitching staff is good. Casey, uh, Casey Mize is great. Tariq Scoobal. Ah, I can't talk today. Tariq Scoobal is great. Scoobal. Yeah, he's great. I, I love what they're building. Torkinson's great. And I, I love their their swing for Javi Baez. I'm assuming Correa told him he wasn't going. That's why they just took that swing at Baez. But six years, 140. I watched Javi Baez as a Met fan for the last 41 games he was there, or however many games it was. Yeah. I yeah. He turned it around. He had 299. He wasn't swinging and missing by the end there. They had the whole thumbs-down controversy. That was stupid. I'm a fan of Hobby Baez. I think that's a smart signing, and I, I think it's going to end up working out for them in the long run. I I don't know. This is another one where I'm like, I mean, he got more money than Max Scherzer. Like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, he's I, younger. I, like, he's I don't a know. shortstop. Like, maybe I'm just – I understand it's more money over certain years and stuff, but, like, but like I mean, Scherzer, Hobby Baez is, is, is good, but another one of those dudes, like, he's got to show, like – a lot, lot more because he's going to have to be putting out some sort of numbers to be carrying this Tigers offense because, like, I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he's going to be there. He's good, but, like, where is, you know, where is the – show me why he deserves – Tell me, talk me into why he deserves $140 million. I mean, I think you, it, the way his numbers trended towards the end of his season with the Mets, and then you just look at 2018 and 2019 Javi Baez, where he's like a legitimate, he's second in the MVP running in, in 2018. He's an all-star both years. He gets a gold glove in 2020, when his, uh, even though his all of his hitting numbers are down. I mean, 2020 is a weird year. I just think with Javi Baez, what you're paying for is he's a plus-plus defender. He's, like, literally one of the best defenders in baseball. He can play three positions at a gold-glove caliber level. But more importantly, Javi Baez's ceiling is, like, the best player in baseball. I mean, some people sit there. We love Fernando Tatis. I don't really see how Fernando Tatis' potential is much different than Javi Baez's, in my opinion. I think they're very comparable players. I mean, Javi's a little bit older. I get that. That that part of it, like, take that out of it. But I I personally, I think if you're going to bet on potential, I'm willing to bet. I wanted the Mets to bring back Javi Baez. Once they got everyone they got, it seemed unrealistic. But... I, I loved Javi Baez. I, I loved him when he was a Met. He's exciting I think to watch. The Javi, I think that Javi Baez uh, being, having the potential to be the best player in baseball is a bit of a reach there. I, yeah, I, I, like, his ceiling he, is, like, that good. He's that good. I, I, don't, I don't know if he can say that based off of, like, one extremely good season. Like two. three, four years ago at this point. Like, like, he had two good years. Like, his 2019 was good, very solid. Uh, you know, he made the All Star game again after his like second MVP, second place MVP finish. But like, you know, he he his offense is a big part of this, and it dropped off significantly. 
last year he led the league in strikeouts too. But That's he, not that, trending in the right direction. Well, when he got to the like, Mets, that like, started to trend differently. Once he left Chicago and he started working on the Mets hitting coach, he he literally it, it changed. He finished two ninety nine. He finished hitting what two ninety nine with fair. the Mets. He had a better he had a better end than a start, but you have to take the whole season into account because like you know. He hasn't really done that well since 2019. Yes, 2020 was a weird year, but he did bad last year too. Like in general, like you know, like he he didn't hit like a guy that should be making that amount of money. Like this is the sort of numbers I would expect after two years of him being an all star if he was already making that money. Like he just signed a contract 2018, played two good years, and then started tailing off a little bit to being more of like an average everyday, really good defensive player. He's already like had a couple like lost seasons almost now like that. And then he just got this big payday. That's a little scary considering he hasn't done anything really substantial since 2019 at this point. That's why I'm like, I mean, and then you said you threw Tatis in there. I, I still think Tatis is like miles no, ahead. No, I'm not saying you know, I'm not saying like, Javi Baez is better than Fernando Tatis. I think, but I think right. as skill set wise, I think they have pretty comparable skill sets. And I would argue that Javi Baez is a better defender than Fernando Tatis. But Fernando Tatis is a better, much better overall all around player than Javi Baez is. My point is that at his peak, I don't see how they're like if they were both playing at the best versions of themselves, I think it's a really similar player. I, I don't think it's that much of a different player. I, I think Tatis is still, like, head and shoulders better. And I don't want to keep comparing, you know, because we have other people to talk about here. But uh, he, the main difference I'll point to is Fernando Tatis hasn't had a bad season yet. Um, I mean, Hoffman is older and been playing for longer, though. That's true, but like in this three three out of three years, he's just killed it every single year. Fatatis, but yeah, Javi Baez has not shown consistency other than two years in the middle of his career. So but, uh, it's yeah. really less of a like, point about Fernando Tatis. It's just I think their skill set is so similar that the same issues you have with Javi Baez, I think, are the same issues. Fernando Tatis is better is a better version of Javi Baez, but that my point is just I I think at peak potential they're essentially the same player it remains to be seen moving on to you know a guy i want to talk about is really quick i guess freddie freeman do we really think he's not going back to the braves and might go to the dodgers do we think that might happen he'll probably go back no he's gonna go back to the braves he's not gonna are you kidding me like Like, (laughs) i I, I don't know many what what amount of money could they possibly what amount of money would the Braves not be willing to give Freddie Freeman like their hero? Like, I think he like, wants what one eighty, and I think he deserves every bit of it. And g- they can give him that. Like, I think, that's that's fair enough. I like, just can't imagine. Like I don't know many Braves fans, but I can't imagine anyone would like how they wouldn't ride in the streets if they let Freddie Freeman walk. I, I can't imagine that. That's would the happen. thing. Why would they do that? Like they might. They might be stupider than we think. But like. I think they're just letting it ride out. Maybe they see if they can get him for a little cheaper. But um, at a certain point, though, yeah, like I, I don't think he's gonna go to the Dodgers. Like, come on, what is this? Like, well, they say how much money they have left. <laughs> well, I think the Dodgers are just an endless pit of money, and I, I was uh, gonna say, like, I mean, how much you can't pay everybody, can you? I think you can. I guess. And I, I also sometimes wonder what a team like the Dodgers, if you see a team like the Mets spending like the way they are, are you gonna be like, oh, really? Do you think you're like the team that's gonna spend? And they're like, well, we just got Freddie <laughs> Freeman, so it's like, do you like apples? The Goodwill Hunting scene. Do you like apples? We just signed Freddie Freeman. How do you like them apples? Like, I can <laughs> see a move like that. It, it, I think it's more of just like at a certain point. I get it. Maybe the Braves are trying to see if they could get him for as little as they want, but it feels like a situation where you really can't get played. Cause how long can you let Freddie Freeman sit out there post lockout before a team like the Dodgers or even the Yankees jumps in and is like, you know what, Freddie Freeman, it's going to be the first, it's going to be within days that the Yankees and then the Red Sox are all going to be jumping in there and trying to get them. Like they need to, they, you know, they've waited this long. Cool. Once the lockout's over, you better be able to pony up or he's leaving. Like, but I don't, I think it would be catastrophic for the. I, I don't think the Braves are. That's as, what I mean. I can't. I, I I say that yet. I can't imagine the Braves are not willing to just give him the money immediately. Like I'm, I, they won't let it get that far. Is it's, it crazy it's, to say it's that I don't? Happen. Is it crazy to say that I don't think that the Braves are even like? I don't have the Braves among my World Series contenders if they lose Freddie Freeman. Is that crazy to think? They're a good team, but I, I don't. 
They still have Acuna. They still have yeah, Riley. Yeah, they still have Ozzy. He's, he's they a still lot have to that staff. team. He does a lot. To, he does a lot for that team just in general as a hitter, as a defender, as everything. It's like a like a like a leader. leader. Yeah. yeah, he's. How do you get rid of him? Like, uh, what do you what do you think you're going to go get Anthony Rizzo or something? Like, stop. Like, just bring I'm, him back. You know, I I I hate to be this guy, but I don't think Anthony Rizzo's that good. I I I, I think he's he, fine. He he was good. He's fine. I think he like, he's good for he's certain fine. teams. He's good for certain teams. I'd love to have him back on the Yankees because he's fine. Like I like him. He's a good player in general, but he's not going to command anything close to what like Freeman would take a year. You I know, think he's, he's going to get. That kind of I think he'll get twenty he might have million been a few years ago, but not anymore. Like, well, well, here's my he's, question. He's to you. definitely he's definitely not prime Anthony Rizzo. Like he Anthony Rizzo was a phenom for a few years. Uh, just mashing, and, and and we don't. He's still a very respected hitter. Uh, he's still he great. Hit, he can hit for power, and he he's he lost a step this year. Uh, well, here's he, my... he had a little bit of a rough time with the Cubs, like, um, and he didn't do that much better with New York, but you know had a lot of timely hits and and stuff. But you know he he is you know what you're getting with him right now, and he's his best days are behind him. Unfortunately, he, he can only. He's not going to get his head above that 30 home run, 100 RBI mark anytime soon. It's not going to happen. He's not hitting above 250 anytime soon. You know, he, you know what you're going to get from him, and it's not, you know, something that can carry a team anymore. Like, he, he was the heart of that Cubs order for years, but that, you know, those times are coming gone. He's had a 10-year career so far. Anthony Rizzo's great, but he's not that great. Well, that's my thing. I, I mean, like, Say Anthony Rizzo gets twenty-one million. Would you rather have all? I mean, and I'm sure, and I know he's a much Anthony Rizzo's a much better defender and all of these things. But if you're a team and you're looking for a first baseman or a DH, are you looking at? Would you rather spend twenty-one million on Anthony Rizzo or thirteen million on Kyle Schwarber? Um, factor in injury risk. Well, see, that's, factor in defense. That's interesting. That's interesting because you factor in injuries because Schwarber is like. Literally like a glass, man out of glass. Yeah, he gets hurt but, all the time. So that's interesting, right? But I don't I actually don't really know because that's the thing. The, the injury is really that. If I was a GM, the only reason I wouldn't take Schwarber a lot is because of injuries against a lot of different players. Because like he's he's like Byron Buxton to me. You can't trust a guy like that with money. Like the, at this point, because the he just twins doesn't seem play. to disagree like, with you. You're, he, well, then the, the, the twins are going to be sixty and one hundred and two again. Like, like good for them, because like they 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 can't pay people to not play the game. It's ridiculous. Like, but um, I I don't know. I I, I guess I'd pick Rizzo if I'm going to go with that line of thinking. But, uh, honestly, I um, think Schwarber. I, I would go Schwarber. Still, I you think saw I'd what he Schwarber. did with the Red Sox last year, and you like, saw what he did with the Nets before they got before he got hurt, and then he got dealt. Oh, like, he was going. He was going X games. He mode. was going X he games was, he for like, certain. He had like ten home runs in a week. Legitimately, <laughs> he was absurd. It, it, I think I go Kyle Schwarber nonstop on that one. I, I I love. I talked about this last week. I love Kyle Schwarber. I want the Mets to go Mets to go get him. I I, I would do anything to get Kyle Schwarber on my team. He'll fit right in. He'll be on your. He'll be yeah, on the yeah, list of for 160 of games. Course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, Joy. Oh, yeah. Why not? I mean, that's that's a given. But I rather have a good. I rather have him on my DL than Anthony Rizzo. The thing is, the thing is with the first baseman is that Rizzo's not even in the ballpark with Freeman. Freeman is literally still in his prime, and he's been playing the same amount of time that Rizzo has. Rizzo's prime is coming on. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I, I just think uh, if you're the Braves, and I think any Brave fan listening right now would probably agree, I think you would be nuts to let Freddie Freeman walk. Um, especially, I, I mean, it would feel a lot like when Cardinals won the World Series and then they let Pujols walk, which ended up working out for them. But uh, I would wonder if that's more of a factor of Pujols getting yeah. a beer belly in Anaheim and then the Angels being the Angels. Pujols was living the good life after that World Series. You know, six. Who cares? I'm just like, saying. <laughs> he he is. He moved out west, and he said, "Forget this life. I'm playing baseball for the Angels, baby." If it happens, <laughs> don't say I didn't warn you. I said this. I think I said it last week. I've probably commented it on Twitter a million or Twitter and Instagram a million times at this point. Um, 
The Angels are going to be on, on be in on every elite starting pitcher free agency. Miss on them all. We've already seen that happen. That's already happened. And then they're going to overpay Freddie Freeman. And I, I mean. No, they're not. They're not even going to do that. We we talked about they this do last every podcast. Year. Anthony they're Rendon, go, they do. They're going to go for Zach Greinke. They're going to go for Zach Greinke and uh, I don't Matt want, Boyd. I can't talk about and the Angels can, again. I just can't. And they're going to pick up Nelson Cruz. They're going to be like, this is the bat we need. Like, I physically <laughs> cannot. I think I will get nauseous if backup, I talk about. A backup DH to Shohei Otani. A I, backup DH. I legitimately will, will become nauseated if I talk about the Angels. for. I can't. I brought this up, <laughs> but I can't do it anymore. I talk about them so much. our Hot Takes podcast before the season starts. Angels going all the way. This My season, God. Man. For a dysfunctional team, I feel like I talk about them weekly because it just baffles me. Again, and I'm, now we've talked about them, but whatever, I'll go into it. You have two of the best five <laughs> bet players in baseball. How have you not made the playoffs in like a decade? How? How is that? Uh, it's been longer than that. I, I just don't know. I, I don't. Do you know what? I don't know. Can I? Uh, Bartolo I wanna... Colon was their last good pitcher, I guess. John Lackey. Like, remember that? Remember they had some good eight? They had some good pitching back then. Can I uh, can I take a sidebar? Because I just got a really good thought that I that just popped into my head. Sure. Why does MLB Network still televise Mad Dog? Why is that a thing? Why is Mad Dog <laughs> still a thing? Why is he there? Like, who is sitting there? Good afternoon, everybody. Like, I just want to know if please DM him, DM me at random MLB stars, tweet at me at Miyamo Tommy, whatever. If you are in the age range of fifteen to 29 and you're sitting every day at one o'clock going hold up what time is it hey drop everything honey i gotta watch mad dog like why he sat there <laughs> last week he he had i'm not even kidding the man at this point doesn't even know what he's talking about and i'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast saying you don't even know what you're talking about and that's fine but regardless I'm sitting there listening to it was right. It was the day after Max Scherzer signed, and he had Howie Rose on the Mets broadcaster, and the two of them were just having a 65 year old. It was two 65 year olds talking baseball, and it was just so clear that Mad Dog just completely doesn't pay attention to anyone outside, like maybe three teams, because he's sitting there talking about. What, and I'm not making this up. If you can, if there's the archives <laughs> of Mad Dog of a uh, Hot Heat or whatever he calls it, I don't know, Hot Heat. That's definitely not it. Uh, whatever he calls it. <laughs> hot heat. Hot heat. In uh, other hot, news, water is wet. Yeah. Wet, <laughs> wet water with Chris Russo. Um, no, but <laughs> he sat there and he goes, the Mets went after Max Scherzer because they're feeling the pressure. That division has a lot of teams. And he goes, and watch out. The Nationals, they're not done yet. They're going to spend. I'm like, not done yet? I'm sorry. When did they begin? <laughs> they traded away their the whole roster. The Mets are not done the yet. Nat- Who did they even like, get? He's like, they're, no, I don't even think they signed like a triple A guy. And he's in there. He's like, they're feeling the pressure because they know. And this is a real point he's making about how he he's like, wait till after the lockout when the Nats make some swings. And I'm like, the Nats traded away every valuable player they have outside of Juan Soto. But suddenly Chris, <laughs> Russo, Chris Nostradamus. They're, Russo, going, they're all in. They're, they're all in. They're all in. They're, that's how every team builds a dynasty. No, no, you know what they're going to do? They're going to get Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Because this, then they, they could just move Josh Bell over to DH. It's uh, it all makes the sense. Nationals the Nationals are so bad. The that I don't league. even think you could rebuild them through free agency. That's how bad that <laughs> team is right now. What are you going to do? Put Freddie Freeman out there with Victor Robles in center and Carter Keboom at third. No offense to Carter Keboom. I think you still have potential. Uh, like, I, I'll be honest. Listen, I'll be honest to all of our listeners right now. I don't know who you just named. Who was that? Who's and, Carter Keboom? And I think we can end the conversation <laughs> there because I think that's all you need to know about Chris Russo's I, Honestly, do not know who that is. No, I have no idea. I'm just who saying, that is. and I think that is back to the original point of where Major League Baseball doesn't even know how to. I don't even think they even comprehend how to market to to people our age. You're gonna sit there, and however much money they're spending on Chris on, on Mad Dog, I'm abs- I'm sure it's an absurd amount. I'm sure it's an absurd <laughs> number that they are paying to appeal to no one. I don't know anyone who wants to. Francesa retired. Get rid of him. Good afternoon, everybody! 
Isn't that great to listen to on MLB Network all the time? He sounds like a broken carburetor. No offense. I've, I've read he's a really nice guy. And I'm sure he I is. I don't even, he, he talks like this. He has he's too much to say. You know, he's a San Francisco Giants fan. It's crazy that he was on New York Radio for all those years. And he was going nuts about the San Francisco Giants not winning the World Series all those years. And that's all I could talk about. He's like, I'm gonna tell, you, tell you this, Mike. We're talking about Barry Bonds. You know, what, what a hitter. Like, you know, we can't even talk about the steroid era. You, you mentioned Barry Bonds. Like, we could have had a whole field day, you know, talking about him. I, God. I just think it's just another example of baseball promoting 65-year-olds talking <laughs> baseball. And it doesn't make any sense. He sat there, and this is, in, in, and I'll use this as a segue off of, off of him. They were talking about the Mets' <laughs> next manager, uh, uh, the next who the Mets were going to hire. And, of course, they were just, like, salivating at Buck Showalter. And no offense to Buck Showalter. They were just, like, I, 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 watching Chris Russo and, and Howie Rose talk about Buck Showalter is what I assume, like, if you were trapped in the desert for months and then you finally found a spring of water and you were just so grateful for it that's what that would be but more than that they're sitting there and he goes but if they can't get buckshot walter who do you think dog that's what russo goes dog who do you think they'll go for if they can't get if they uh, howie uh, rose said this to chris russo if they can't get buckshot walter who would you like them to go get he goes i'd love for them to go look at a mike Sosha. and i'm like can can chris russo name one guy under the age of 65 who hasn't washed out of baseball two decades ago like can we can we stop there's a reason mike Sosha's not a manager anymore there's a reason that's a thing Somebody trapped. The Angels get rid of him. That's the stupidest move they ever made in the history of the franchise. I, I honestly think my, I think he said that before in, in the recent. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. I think so. I he remember said an argument with a was... straight face and said the Mets should hire Mike Sosha, who literally I, I I don't even I looked at it like wh- who is this? Why is this even a thing? Okay, why don't we go get Bucky? Like why doesn't Bucky Tech come out of retirement and go manage the Mets too? <laughs> Billy Martin, bring him in. Because that's all we're going to talk about. Let's do it. Bill Mazeroski, former pirate legend. Is he even alive? Go get him. The Mets should have never fired. Mad Dog's sitting there saying the Mets should have never fired Davey Johnson. That's what's going to happen next week. Like, (laughs) please. Please. But They should have kept. They should have kept. Everybody, Bobby Valentine. Like, <laughs> it frustrates me to no end. I, I don't even get it. Whatever. I'll, I'll move on. Uh, should we talk about the Mets' next managerial opening here? <laughs> Buck Showalter. Yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, so Buck Showalter. And oh, we, we skipped over a couple more free agents. I really wanted to talk about Nick Castellanos for a second. Oh, good point. Because I don't know where the hell he's going. And there's a drive to deep left center field. Um, and that's a two-run shot. <laughs> I don't know um, if we're going to put this headset on again. <laughs> I just want to apologize to the people at Fox. I want to apologize to my family. Uh, no, <laughs> I think he's going to Miami, honestly. I think Miami will I, take I a get, swing for you know him after what? the lockout. Miami's, that's someone we haven't talked about. And I feel like their team is actually like looking better this year and not because of free agent signings. I feel like the Marlins are going to be a team that has slept on, but I kind of like where they're they're heading. Like I feel like they're going to win eighty two games, uh, right? But that's better than th- th- what they were, right? But <laughs> I guess like, I just like, I they think, got Jacob I think they're going in the right direction. Like, they are. They're going in the right direction. To your point, yeah, no, they're definitely going in the right direction. But part of me feels like they're still the same old Marlins. They're, they're still not spending. They still don't have fans. They, it's just like no, that's true. It's nothing exciting about it. But other than the fact that I really do like what they're doing in the infield, like I like, uh, I like Jesus jazz. Aguilar. Jazz Chisholm was great. So um, you like jazz? I, you like jazz? You like you like jazz? You like you like jazz? And I like their pitching. You know. Um, I mean, I like Sixto was hurt all year, but I like Sixto Sanchez. Yeah. I mean, they no, they they have pieces. Uh, I like Edwin Cabrera. Uh, I, I, I they have pieces. Or Daniel Cabrera, what's his name? Not Daniel. What's his name? Uh, Edward Cabrera. I can't. Edward Cabrera. I was right. Right, right. So then you put. Okay, let's say you think Castellanos ends up there, right? Um, yeah. What I think that did, would be a good. Swing. It would be a good piece. It'd be another solid ad. But then, what do you think? <laughs> else do they go for do you think they go for pitching at all do you think they go for well, that like that's what i was just gonna say ironically enough if they go sign nick castellanos they just become as good as the reds were last year 
mm-hmm. and then it's just like another version of the Reds, kind of. And the Reds like, like were kind of hanging around for a bit towards the end there. Like they had, they made a push too early, but well, and then they fell apart. But like they were, you know, the Reds are a year or two away from being something. I think they have good pitching. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to wonder. I was thinking about this the other day. Where are the Reds going? Because I feel like they're stuck in a limbo of like 82 wins, 85 wins. Like they're, they're never right, going to get. They might be stuck there for a minute, but I feel like that's that that's what gives them the perfect opportunity to. Um, to go and finally make a move to bring someone big in because their pitching seems fine. Like they have Tyler well, Molly and Castillo for the moment. They have they have Sonny Gray like kind of just back there, which kind of helps. Um, and their bullpen is getting better. Uh, and you know their offense is. I, I really I was a really big fan of Jonathan India this year. Um, I like him, and I I I liked him from the beginning. And you look around the outfield, and you look around the infield, and you don't see a lot of of holes. You see a couple of veterans mixed in with some good younger players, like Vado and Mustakis in the infield is nice to have. How many more years do we have like, of Joey Vado being like really productive? I don't know. I mean, but I I don't think he needs to. Be, what what do you, what do you define as really productive? Like he's gonna keep what he did last runs. season. He's gonna yeah, he might do that a few more years. Why not? He's gonna keep. I think I think me I think you got a year or two at most uh, before that stops. Hitting, he's gonna keep hitting home runs. The pitching's gonna be good enough. Mustakis th- is fine. They're I, gonna, I think they might trade Luis Castillo. I I just don't know where they're going, and I don't know they're gonna. Let, it seems like they're gonna let Nick Castellanos walk. They got Jesse Winker, who's good. They got India, who's good. I mean, Naquin's not bad. I, just, I like Tyler Naquin. He's but he's a little bit older too. It's like, uh, but what's Tyler Naquin? He's like a on a really good team. He's a fourth outfielder. Right, but I just like that you can have people like that kind of spread out. In, uh, you know, your outfield. He's not that old. He's only like, you know, he's only been playing for like, like five 20, or six years, right? Like, um, was he 28, 29? Something like that. And he's he's doing his best baseball. Like, last year was one of his best years, if not his best. Yeah, it's like, I think that was career year would be last year. Right. And and he's, he's trending in the right direction. And like, that's just one example of, like, I think the Reds have enough to compete. And you, like, they've been stuck in that 80 win range. I'm just saying it'll be interesting to see if they make moves. Obviously, if they trade Castillo, what do they go from there? They might get something good back on offense, and maybe then, then they'll go sign a pitcher like maybe instead, right? They think they can get up a little bit smaller of a pitcher plus some bats or prospects for Castillo instead of just keeping Castillo, right? Um, maybe. Who knows? Um, I just think that the, I just feel like I the, the Reds, Reds like more I think the Reds and the Marlins are two teams that are, like you said, stuck in that eighty win limbo. But they their teams are look like they're trending up, honestly, and they could, um, just like be better teams, better contenders this year if they went for some of these free agents. I just don't know if they're going to. That's what I'm interested to see. I just think like the Reds to me, the Marlins. I I agree with you. I think they're trending in the right direction. They have young pieces and they're actually building. I I, I like what they're doing. I love the Jacob Stallings uh, trade. I I, I like Avisail Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like what they're doing. They're trending in the right directions. The Reds just to me feel like more of a team that you lo- You're more afraid that like the Reds take two or three of, from your team that's in a pennant race in August than they will be for like actually competing for the NL Central. Like. Are the Reds better than the Brewers? No. Are they better than the Cardinals? No. Like, wh- what are they going to do? Like, I, what's the, the ceiling? Is there the third best team in the NL Central? I, I don't know. Like, is, there any, there was, is there, there any was a world point. where they're better than the Brewers? I don't know. There, there was a point last season where they were making a, a strong case towards the end of the year. And then I remember you called. You said you thought they were going to make the playoffs. I thought they were. Yeah, they're the dark horse. Like it looked like it for a few weeks there that they were going to, but uh, they'll um, benefit from the fact that they're in the same division as the Cubs and the Pirates. So those are easy victories. Uh, well, you would hope. You would. You would hope that should help them rattle off some wins. I just. I don't think they're half as good as the Cardinals are, and I don't think they're half as good as the Brewers are. No, I think. I think that you're right there, and um, I don't know. Like I. You, it's it's murkier waters, but I think that the Reds and the Marlins both have a pretty good shot at going bigger. If they go bigger and get a free agent to help them, I think they have a good shot at competing. 
And you know what? Now the Cubs got Clint Frazier, so all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> and all Central's about, wide open. I don't want to talk about the Red Rifle anymore. Red Rocket, whatever. His I don't. Name I, is. I, I, I'm saying it here today. What's today? We're recording this December eighth, twenty twenty one. I, I'm expecting a, a decent season from Cliff Frazier. I think he's gonna do. I think he's gonna. I think we're gonna have a rebuild, a re, uh, bounce back year from Cliff Frazier in Chicago. I don't. I mean, I hope he does. I do hope he does because the Yankees, whether I like to say it or not, the Yankees completely mismanaged his situation from the get go, and they yeah. completely stifled him the entire time he was there. Now he didn't. You know, that's no way to build confidence in any player. And the one thing I will say. I absolutely hate this narrative that happens literally every single time somebody comes to the Yankees, fails, and then goes somewhere else and succeeds, is they always say, the spotlight was too bright for him in New York. He couldn't play. He couldn't compete. Uh, he obviously just wanted, you know, he once his pressure got taken off of him, he started playing better again. Like, that's a bunch of garbage. Like, it's most of the time the Yankees mismanage the situation, if you look back through the years. Uh, or they just, like, completely misevaluate that player that's in question actually being good or not like see Cara Pavano like that's all I need to say about that like because uh, I mean, even even he did good after he left the Yankees like he was great before he was on the Yankees he was great on the twins and he was great on the twins afterward but then he wasn't yeah. good on the Yankees with all these injuries and stuff and like, didn't he have like one good year at the end there with the Yankees he was like decent he, well, that's a stretch, but I, I can go check, but I don't even remember. I think I thought he was like his last year as a Yankee was decent. Every single year he was on the Yankees, he was he had injuries and he didn't like do much to help the Yankees win. He was only there for like uh, three years. He missed the entirety of 2006. Um, so he was there for 05, 07 and 08. He never started more than. He had one year, he started 17 games his first year, and he had like a five ERA. Uh, 2006, he got injured. I think he broke his butt or something like that. Then he had two games <laughs> in 2007, and then he had seven games in 2008, and then he was gone forever. But then he went to the Twins, and he started pitching good again. Like, he was a decent starter for a couple of years. He was decent. Yeah. Especially 2010, he had, like, a really good year, like, sub-4 ERA for the first time since his All-Star year in 2004. Like, but everything was a different story, like, with him. He he was he had one good year with Florida, and the Yankees said, let's make him our opening day starter in 2005. Completely their fault for deciding that, but now the narrative has become he's not, he couldn't pitch under the bright lights in New York, like, yeah, maybe don't get a guy that had a flash in the pan year with the Florida Marlins, and and think he's going to be your next Roger Clemens, and give him all that money, and, and then blame him when he leaves and does good somewhere else. It's the same thing with Clint Frazier. He had so many games I can look back on. There was a game against Milwaukee that I remember where he had a walk off home run. He was electric when he was on. He was hitting walk offs, timely hits, timely situations. Clint Frazier has a lot of potential. His head injury. Is scary for yeah, him as a vertigo player. now, and it's like to the point where he has vision problems completely and, and permanently, um, and it's going to be a big issue for him. So I really hope he figures it out. Um, but the Yankees did him no favors. He never should have platooned with Brett Gardner. That was embarrassing. Like his glove was bad, <laughs> and he's a liability in the outfield a little bit. But his bat's good enough to keep in the lineup because what they were trotting out here there this year was a disgrace anyway. Like. With with the likes of Rugnit Ordor and Brett Gardner, and then the random people they were shoving in there on a daily basis, like like trying to convince the fans that like this is what we've been waiting for, like like it's the most dis- the lineup the fact the whole lineup was hitting under two hundred was unbelievable, and then Clint Frazier still doesn't get his chance to play, still didn't get his chance. Like this is the finally this is the year you think. Okay, the kid's earned it. He's been in the league long enough. Let him play regularly and see what you get out of him. And you're literally platooning him with Brett, an aging Brett Gardner. And you're saying, how come this kid's not, you know, I don't understand why he's not good. Well, it, uh, Unbelievable. I think this is a really, I want to end the podcast on this because I want to pose a question to end the podcast because uh, I think there's a really real scenario that you should start considering now to brace yourself for it. You went into this offseason thinking you're getting Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, 
anybody, Kevin Gaussman, Robbie Ray, Freddie Freeman, Kyle Schwarber, all these guys, the Yankees are going to get them, right? What are you going to do when uh, March rolls around and the only addition to the team is Brett Gardner? I, I will not be surprised. I will be, as I said last podcast, I hope they don't go for anyone stupidly big. I hope we get at least one good guy to help shore up the pitching staff, but it's not going to happen, right? Um, other than that, I don't want anyone because I don't think that I can trust the Yankees to make a good signing because they don't. And I'm expecting Brett Gardner to come back along with, maybe we go after Nelson Cruz. Who knows what we do? We're idiots. Like, like I, we're going to sit there, and what we should be doing is getting rid of all these people like that don't aren't going to get us anywhere big. Get some talent while we can. Cultivate a national farm system. Build it up to be something respectable. Because I'm tired of making the wild card and not winning it. I don't want to watch the team anymore. I don't care if they win 90 games a year. It didn't feel like we were winning at all any point this year. Every time I watched them, they lost. Like it was some stupid, you know, embarrassing loss where they were winning five nothing and they lost seven to six to Minnesota because they put in the wrong pitcher or like you know they get blown out twenty five to nothing versus the Athletics or something like that. Like it's it's a, and somehow the Yankees by default have ninety wins because they get to play the Orioles twenty times. Like and they couldn't even beat the Orioles. Like it was the most annoying team to watch and then of course it culminates in going to Fenway and getting manhandled by the Red Sox so like well that and Nathan I Hallaby. think that's I think that's that that's the I think I'll end on this point oh. of uh as a Mets fan my entire team might suck but they only played one less game than the Yankees last year and uh, I think that's a beautiful note to end on uh I just want to do a quick really big thank you Josh you were wonderful today really you did <laughs> Everything, everything that Josh brought to the table today blew me out of the water. It, I, I almost insight. shed a tear. I almost shed a tear. It was very. He's a new Jeff Passan. Did you hear those inside scoops he's getting? Listen, forget Woj bombs. We got Josh. We got Josh, Josh bombs. bombs now. Like just yeah. dropping factoid after factoid. Breaking news as it comes. You know, thank you, Josh. Yeah, no, uh, thank you, Josh, for that. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, John Hamm couldn't be with us this week, unfortunately. He'll be here next week, and I know I'm as excited as anyone for it. So until then, uh, oh, wait, if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah and uh, happy holidays. They're all coming up now. We'll be back next week, hopefully. Gregory, say bye. Bye. Bye.